0: You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta and the community of The Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com/legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the legends of Runeterra. My name is Mark Lift, from outside of Pittsburgh, PA. And with me tonight is my legendary and ever faithful co-host, Deadbroke Nerd. Deadbroke Nerd, how are you doing tonight, man?
1: Doing pretty good. We're recording a little earlier than normal uh, on a Thursday instead of a Wednesday. So normally on a Wednesday, we'd be recording around 10 p.m. And I would be tired from a long day of work and then climbing at the bouldering gym. But instead, I had to come home. Play a few games, of LOR, Chill out. We're gonna record this. Then I'm gonna make dinner. It's gonna be a good night.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it, for me kind of kind of similar. Uh, we went out. Uh, got to go out. With family tonight, went out to dinner, came home, came downstairs, gonna do a little bit of recording, and uh, and I'm not gonna be up until one o'clock in the morning, which is rare because that's typically how late I'm up uh, <laughs> after recording and editing and uploading and publishing. And if you ever notice mistakes that are done during the show or in the show description, it's all because I worked all day and then stayed up until one o'clock in the morning when I finished editing and uploading and publishing everything. Uh, but tonight I'll be able to revisit it like ten or ten thirty and and be able to wrap it up, which is which is really nice i was playing uh i played a good bit of lor this week not a, not a ton of lor um i find that it, i i found that i played a little bit uh just since this big patch which is going to be our main subject for discussion today um because we did we did get like a massive massive patch it, it, it's border it's not like a new set of cards but it's crazy um how much stuff we got adjusted champion wise anyway um so i i played a little bit during that um and uh and found that the deck i was playing isn't really working quite as well because as it turns out mist rates are naturally kind of weak to p and z um because it, they're so easy to just ping off and remove your stuff and uh once again as we'll talk you know there's a lot of p and z around the ladder right now which is probably good because i i was actually going through my head the other day i was sitting down and i was running through all the factions and I was thinking like what are the three new champs that we're going to get in the next set in December and I'm running through my head and I'm trying to think what factions didn't get one what faction didn't and like Noxus that's it what I forgot PNZ existed the other day (laughs) didn't even remember that they existed the other day So, uh, so yeah, so PNZ was not in a good space. So it's good to see that it, it's gotten a lot of love. Uh, it's gotten a lot of love, like since the patch, like the last two days or I guess mm-hmm. what day did the patch come out? Wednesday. Yeah. Like the, la- the last, yeah. like the last day and a half, a lot of love to PNZ. So that, that's not a bad thing. I don't think, uh, no, certainly not. You, you were playing a little bit today. What are you, what are you messing around with? Because I, I struggled to find anything that I felt like worked. I, I did play some mystery, Wraiths, which I have been playing this season and um it, they didn't do awful they did do awful but they feel a little bit more vulnerable so i'm, I'm kind of curious what you've been experimenting with
1: well so the biggest thing that kind of actually not me necessarily but i uh, just hanging out with gibbles and bits and chatting this week he was really excited about fuzzy caretaker getting buffed oh okay um, and uh coming down one in cost so he uh he was excited to, to try that out and he sent me his list. And so I played a little bit of the of a support list. Um, and we've kind of been comparing notes and stuff. Uh, just trying to make support like work, like value tempo-based support. It's interesting because it both is a lot. I think it's better than it was, but it's simultaneously also really hurt by Ezreal coming back. Um, uh, because there's a lot of two defense creatures and Mystic mm. Shots. Just, I mean, duh. Like, they, that hurts. Um, I will say it's really fun against slower decks. I think it's a great counter to uh, a lot of these kind of slower lists that are out there because some of the buffs that you can play uh, will, will stick after you originally buff. Like, Mentor of the Stones, that plus two, plus two will stick around. Sure. Um, and uh, and Fuzzy Caretakers won't, but uh, the the bottom line being there's just a lot of really cool kind of combos, and I, I really like the way that it plays because you you have to focus on the ordering. You know, kind of like in Hearthstone, you always have to think about where am I placing my, my cards because there are different summon effects that will buff something to the left or to the right or, or you know, adjacent minions, uh, stuff like that. And I really like that, and you don't get that too, too much with LOR, but now, obviously, Support does that. Vlad now does that too. I just really like that they're encouraging... A little more thoughtful placement as opposed to sweeping the board and slamming it down. I mean, there's always the situations like, and that's that's partly why I also liked uh, Callista, you know, and some of those mm-hmm. those uh, you know champions that will level up when a certain thing is is accomplished. Um, so, yeah, I have had fun with it. I haven't had a lot of success with it. I, there's been a couple games that like don't really count because I just bricked my hand a couple times. Um, and then there's a I made some adjustments, and so uh, Gibbles and Bits was running. Um, Lulu and Tarek, and I didn't feel like I had enough. I didn't want to play enough spells for Tarek because I wanted more consistent, uh, character drops, and so I just switched Tarek out for um, Shen, which obviously, which felt like he was accomplishing similar things to Tarek, just without like the high roll potential for like a pale cascades onto Tarek. Uh, And then I went to, uh, I actually went and buffed up some of the lower drops because I was really struggling with my creatures surviving long enough for Lulu or Fuzzy Caretaker to come or mentor the stones. Basically, on three, you're dropping a support buffer.
0: Yeah, right. that's happening on turn three.
1: Now. It's happening on turn three. You're running nine copies. That's how important it is. And so you really need something to be alive at that point. Uh, well, the hard and thing so about Fuzzy went,
0: caretakers, you almost want two things to be alive at that point. You,
1: yeah, you, yeah, you do. Um, I think Fuzzy caretakers uh, like the least good option of the three on three, but it gets significantly better the wider your board goes. Sure. Um, Fuzzy Caretaker, I think, is the ideal three drop if your opponent has the turn three attack token. Uh, I think Fuzzy Caretaker really wants, you know, Shin or, uh, you know, someone to come down on four. Uh, and work it. with it. Um, yeah, that's true. With it, right. And it, my build's also, or both, our build is, both of ours, is running a couple fey guides to slap elusive on something. Usually slapping elusive on something that you actually don't want to get interacted with, less so slamming it on the biggest thing to push damage um sure something I, that you want to protect
0: i mean that's exactly. one of the reasons that young witch is so strong is because she supports plus one plus zero quick attack but you can't block her unless you have another elusive on the board which Yeah, exactly we know exactly. there is some elusive champions that are going around right now but but mm-hmm. the, still still yeah I, I i get that
1: yeah and it, it was cool i mean i really did uh have a lot of fun playing it mountain sojourners is just like the funnest card uh to slam down the issue is just I kept having to tinker with it, and so I put like the uh, Solari Soldier and the Solari Shieldbearer in, in on one and two to just be those resilient threats that can also soak up a couple of aggro trades and then still, you know, retain stats. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so I've made some changes to it. You know, the original build ran that uh, the the uh, Zenith Blade, and I switched those to sunblessed Vigors because every time I tried to use a Zenith Blade, it would get Mystic Shotted. Uh, so I was like, "Well, shoot! I just want a burst speed uh, buff." Then, so it was his whole thing. I'm still tinkering with it, but I do like the concept, and
0: and that's really what I've been playing mostly. So the other thing I went back to this week was I got two quests to play, uh, play or destroy landmarks this week. Um, and mm. so I went back to Vaults of Helia and, uh, and ran something pretty similar to your list, which is the Anivia Trundle. Uh, mine runs a single copy of the 9-drop Captain Laedrus, yeah, Laedrus. Oh, sorry, um, Were you
1: Trundle or Trindamir?
0: Sorry, Trindamir, yeah. not Trundle. Hmm. Uh, Anivia, okay. Trin, and uh, and and really, I did really, really well with it. To be honest with you, um, mm-hmm. I found that there was a good, there was a good many decks, sort of right before the patch that were one of two things they were either the the big the new 12 mana spell from the kda stuff that summons two champs from your decking makes them 10 tens um yeah, feel the rush yeah feel the rush which was you know typically trundle or feel the rush right it was ramp mm-hmm. into trundle trend um and the, you know whatever that it, it, it is it is what it is um and you you lost you lost to those decks usually not always not always you were sometimes a little bit faster than them because you were ramping and they were ramping except the things that you ramped to came online quicker than what their thing did um and so as long as they didn't ramp like too reliably you could steal some wins by ticking away at them and then anivia or tryndamere sort of like uh doing the last damage just because you just always had stuff on the board um but what i found is that most of the stuff that was trying to beat feel the rush um you could beat those decks so a lot of sort of aggressive decks and stuff you know sure they would go aggressive early but i'm running three avalanches withering whales and anivia's. i just had so much board clear that those decks that wanted to go wide to beat the feel the rush decks I typically beat um, and actually had a lot of luck with it. Now, I didn't play it like on ladder. I I played maybe a couple games on ladder. Most of the games that I played were casual games, but I had a lot of fun with the deck. Mm -hmm. And it just reminded me of I I really think that that's a cool card that I think could be good at some point. Um, I just don't know exactly what it needs to be good. Maybe it needs like the right costed champions um from something it's so hard because uh, it would have to be outside of yard right? Like you need the right costed death rattle champions or uh, last breath champions outside of frailord. and maybe there's something there. I, I'm not sure. but it was it was a lot of fun. So that was the other deck that I played a lot this week. I went back and played our Vols of Helia deck um mm-hmm. and had a lot of success with that. but uh but hey man, let's uh, let's let's do a couple of announcements real quick time for the money makers okay guys so announcements this week we want to thank our patreons over at patreon.com slash legends we did get a new patron this past week so want to say uh thank you to Crail Crail d Crail d thank you so much um for your support we do definitely appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everybody who has stepped in and began supporting us uh, recently. There's been a whole bunch of folks that have supported us and, and we really appreciate it. I want to let you guys know that we officially ordered the Legends Cla- Legends Cast pint glasses. So uh, they're a legit glass. They're not like junk. They're a really nice glass with uh, the Legends Cast logo in black on them. Um, so they pop really nice. Uh, it's me and DBN approved. The order in they're going to be here at the end of November, and that is going to be our giveaway at the end of November, December, January, and so forth um, for quite a while. And also, Legends Cast Discord League Season Three, a pint glass will be part of the reward of that. Um, so that's coming. We're replacing the hats temporarily. We're trying the pint glasses. We'll see. I know a couple of people from the Discord said, "Hey, if you re- if you you know let if, let us know, we'll buy one." Um, and there are there are ways for us to set up a merch store, but I'm not like. I'm not like anxious to do that. So if you're a listener and you're like, yeah, I would I would totally buy a hat or I would totally buy a glass or something if you if you had them up. Um, let me know somehow. Either shoot me an email at eslegendscast at gmail.com or join our Discord and shoot me a message and be like, Hey, I'm, I'm one of the people that would totally buy it if we put it up. We're not looking to make a buck, but it is kind of cool that people would be willing to buy merch with, you know, our show's logo on it. And so um, yeah, if if that's something that you're interested in, that's really the only announcement that i have um uh dbn is there anything else anything from our league or any other announcements that we have this week
1: no uh nothing really from the league um that is actually the uh bracket play or the swiss play is getting wrapped up um this week i believe is the last uh last of the matches so um What's going to happen now is we're going to uh, get a bracket going, cut to a top eight, and then those uh, fine players will compete for the, uh, for the grand prize, which is 50 bucks and a hat and a place on the, uh, on the show and on one of the episodes. They're going to get to yep. come on and we'll interview them. So uh, I know a lot of people are very excited about that. There's been some good competition in there. I mean, there's a lot of people. What's, what's fun is a lot of people seem to really want to win uh, which is kind of, uh, you know, in, in a, in a kind of interesting way, like kind of touching that people actually give a crap about it, you yes, know? Yes,
0: I agree. <laughs> it's this is long drawn out tournament of, for like a month and a half and, and people genuinely want to do well in it, which is, yeah. which is cool. And, and some people, you know, I've had to talk to a couple of my opponents cause I've been crushed every round. Um, that were just like, yeah, I really wanted to get on the show. Like I want, I want that interview. Um, and that was kinda cool. Um, I mean, literally, you know, I'm not really hard to get a hold of or talk to. I'm pretty much open to talking to anybody over chat from the Discord. But uh, but still uh, really cool that people are are genuinely excited about it. Um I, I think that's really I think that's really awesome and it's humbling and and uh, and really, really cool um yeah. yeah i i think that's about it for announcements um i don't think we have a whole lot of other things that are going on right now um but i do want to go ahead and go we, we have a we had something that came in from the patreon discord chat so if you are a patron make sure you join discord because we have a discord chat over there want to give one last thank you to all of our patrons over patreon.com slash legends guys because you guys are awesome and you make all of this work. Oh, no, I did have one other announcement. It's just really quick. If you live outside of the country and you're the winner of a hat or the tournament or um, a, a, a glass or something, um, I do want to be able to get stuff to you. But because of COVID-19, I didn't realize how much more expensive it would be to ship outside of the country. So like last uh, last uh, time we gave away something, a hat was going to Templar um, and the hat was going to cost me $50 to get it into Ontario. Um, which is way more than the hat is worth I mean the hat's a nice hat but it's not a $50 hat um, and so we, I'm trying to like explore different ways but if you live like across the pond or something like if if one of our European listeners or Germany, German, I guess European is German but if you're like from Germany or Great Britain or something and you win the tournament you may have to wait for COVID to calm down for me to be able to ship something to you because the the rate for shipping right now is just outrageous so that, that's it, that's all the announcements um, let's go ahead and jump over to our short topic piece uh, for tonight which, uh, which I'll Hand off to you, DBN. Now we're cooking.
1: Yeah, so for our sort of smaller segment, we do want to check in with our Patreons just uh, so everybody remembers. I know we talk about it about every other episode, but uh, we do have a Patreon exclusive uh, channel in our Discord, which allows our Patreon supporters to both give us input uh, on the show's direction and on some of the uh, peripheral things that we do with the show um, we'll ask people about uh, you know new introductions and stuff like that and they'll give us feedback so it, it, we definitely want our patreon supporters to feel like uh, not only uh, that we are grateful for them and for their money and their their dollars but also that we appreciate um, you know their passion for the show and give them a chance to impact the show and one of the ways we do that is by allowing patreon uh, supporters to ask questions that we will occasionally find time to answer on the show. Um, so probably the uh, I, I think really only one in the last week, um, but one that I thought was really good and that we should answer uh, was from Matrim, Uh And it's also a really fun one. Uh, we have talked a little bit about this in the past, um, but we can always, it, it's like it's a completely open-ended um question uh with plenty of uh, fun things to attack it or fun directions to attack it from so the question is this may have been answered before but what is a component or element of another ccg that lor would benefit from adding doesn't necessarily have to be a keyword um but uh, i know both of you have a good deal of experience playing other card games and was wondering what you thought so with that in mind, I was talking to you a little bit about this before we started the show, and you just instantly had a uh, had an idea. So I, I'm really intrigued by what that is before I answer.
0: Yeah, sure. So, my idea actually has to do, it's interesting because it's not technically outside of LOR because it's unique to LOR. Um, But it was inspired by something outside of LOR. So, it's actually something in LOR I want them to explore more and go deeper with. And um, so, it was inspired by Hearthstone. So, one of my favorite classes in Hearthstone, I played Mage, that was my primary class, but the class that I played, Probably next to Mage was Shaman. Um, I played a lot of Shaman, a lot of Agro Shaman. And in Shaman, you had something called Overload, which basically allowed you to spend more mana than what you had uh, oh no, it didn't let you spend more mana than what you had, it allowed you to play overpowered cards but it would cost you mana the next turn so mm-hmm. the probably the quintessential one was a 4 mana 7-7 seven, seven. okay, giant <laughs> behemoth, play 4 mana 7-7 be at overload 2 so if you played him on turn 4, sure you got a 7-7 seven, seven for 4 mana and it was like smork as all get out, right, but on your next turn, on turn 5, you would only have 3 mana because of that overload too. so you lost mana but then a shaman had cards that would interact with that so they had some cards that would unlock that overloaded mana or would uh, do more damage if you had overloaded mana and do sorts of things so here's my thought and what i want to see happen more i want to see more done with spell mana so for mm-hmm. example i would love to see a uh, a three mana um, a uh, like a three mana uh, one one um, that gets plus two plus two for each spell mana you have so it's a three mana seven seven if you don't play anything on turn one and turn two Um Uh, is that is that yeah three mana one one but if you play stuff on turn one if you play stuff on turn one and turn two and don't bank spell mana um then that card comes out as a totally junk three mana one one with nothing on it um i would love to see them do things where you play a creature and it does damage to another creature equal to the amount of spell mana that you have um or i would love to see them uh play a card that is you know two mana do x damage to a creature for each spell mana you used to cast this, like a two mana um, card that could deal uh, you know no damage if you have no spell mana banked or two damage or maybe it's a, a one mana one mana card that does you know um, twice as much if you use a spell mana to cast it right that's a one deal a one mana deal one or it's a one mana deal two if you used a spell mana to cast it I want to see them do a little bit more with spell mana and I want to see that interact with creatures I think there could be a danger there right because you're technically not losing the spell mana in these situations but basically what you are doing is in a certain extent you're sacrificing some tempo that you could be getting on the board to play sort of removal or overstated creatures that gets better because you didn't do anything and I think it has to revolve a lot around like turns one and two right because that's when it's going to matter the most you do nothing on turn one and two okay now I'm going to play something that's going to benefit from the spell mana that I banked up on turn one or two without necessarily spending that spell mana which might give me an opportunity to get back on the board you know the the three mana one one might be completely redonkulous right because then you could play a three mana seven seven and get excited on the same turn um, but uh, i still think that there's room to explore spell mana a little bit more and i want to see them explore it maybe with one specific region more than another um i don't know if maybe a new region would want to explore that it would be interesting if like when the void came out if the void used that a little bit more um or something i'd love to see or maybe pnz which already sort of has some guys that you play them and they re you know spells and creatures that when you play them they fill up your spell mana um or even a creature that could be played with spell mana right um th- i think mm-hmm. that could be interesting you know i really want anything that does more with spell mana that's really what i'm coming down to i want to see more things unlock, um, build up. I'd love to see, uh, I love to see something that permanently increases the amount of spell mana that you can hold or an overstated creature that permanently decreases the amount of spell mana you can hold or a creature that decreases both you and your opponent's ability to store spell mana. Um, I think that would be really interesting too. So, you know, sort of like a spell breaker type of card that, you know, from Demacia that just says, you know, you play this, you know, this four mana three, three, and your opponent can only bank up to one spell mana now or something. Um, So something that's understated but impacts your opponent's ability to keep spell mana. Um, I think that anything that they would do there, I think that spell mana is such a fun and unique component to this game and I want to see them do a little bit more with that. So that was my thought, DB, and I I don't know what yours was coming from this question, but um, I thought about it this week after I saw the question posted and that's what I want to see, some exploration with spell mana.
1: So... For context, guys, uh, when we were talking about this being our uh, discussion question, right? Uh, I said, "Mark, what was your uh, what's your idea? You seem like you have a really good one." And you're, he was like, "I'm not telling you. It's a secret. It's going to be a surprise." Yes. And I'm like, I'm like, oh well, like, what if we have a like a really close one? He's like, Nah, it'll just be more fun if we. Uh, if we talk about it like live, Do we, we have the do it. same one, new. dude. Do you, seriously? We have the same, we have the, we're the same dang idea,
0: dude. Great. And now minds I'm think sitting alike. here
1: racking my brain. Now I'm sitting here racking my brain for another idea. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. No, uh, no, 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 no. no. Uh,
0: <laughs> expand on it because there's there's got to be some things and some ideas that you've thought about that I haven't thought about. Right? Some some card ideas or some some yeah. ways to interact with spell mana that maybe I haven't thought of. Well. I think the biggest
1: thing you kind of did hit, which was I really like the idea of creatures like using spell mana, whether it be for a keyword that allows you to spend spell mana on a creature, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Or um, a creature that can consume spell mana for additional effects. Um, And so I really like the concept there, especially, because I think that there's a lot of... um, I think that there's a lot of need in this game for you to be able to play creatures that are overstated at the cost, but you can't have that be native to the creature itself. It has to come at some other expense, right? Because the game is so tenuous on keeping, like, sticking a board. This, more so than Tessel or Hearthstone, um, really requires you to protect your threats because a small board swing can completely and radically shift uh the the tempo and the nature of the game. Um and if I've like if I've learned anything from playing this support deck it's that like you really need you need your creatures to stick around. That's why those early decks like like early frailyard ran like two or three elixir of irons just purely because you needed your things to live, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that there is a missing piece in LoR right now where overstated creatures for the cost should be. And there's a good reason why they haven't printed them you know without some sort of like you know naturally inherent cost because they can really warp the shape of the game. But I think coming up with more ways to provide that cost in interesting ways that require some sort of sacrifice, I think is a direction I would really like to see LOR move because it's going to put a little more pressure on those uh, kind of controlling decks. Um, while still allowing those, you know, lower to the ground, faster, go wide decks to benefit. Like it's not going to completely shut out any, uh, you know, either or. I mean, imagine just being able to go taller, easier. You know what I mean? Like yeah. being bringing out a creature with cost, but without having to play a bunch of spells onto it. You know that that's going to, without, you know, expending your your hand. You know your your hand presence right? I think that's where I would want to see. Like, imagine a creature that said, okay, it's a 3-mana 3-2, uh, three mana, three two, and it says, you know, when you expend spell mana, uh, you get an extra plus 1, plus 1. So if you brought this creature down on turn 3, just like you said, on turn 3, without having uh, used the spell mana, um, you get boom, all big. of a sudden, he's big. He's a 3-mana 6-5, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of like if you had done that with um an unlicensed innovation or a remembrance but uh instead of it being like you you could still just play it for three mana three two or you could play it for a to be a three mana four three if you had one spell mana you know just that flexibility and if you take it a step further i think it'd be even more interesting right uh if you had uh well two things two thoughts just expanding on it uh if you had cards that would permanently for the rest of the game increase your spell mana like allow you to ha- have more empty spell mana gems but at a cost you know what i mean kind of like increasing your max magica in uh in tessel like i think that'd be really interesting allowing you to have more mana on any one turn but of course like it's kind of like a w- different style of ramp you know um I think that could be cool, and I think it would synergize really well, naturally, with those creatures that would want to do things with your... So, and maybe one of them would be a, you know, let's say it's a a 4-mana 2-4, right? Let's say a 4-mana two four, four mana 2-3, uh, and it says, uh, for each spell mana you consume, uh, choose one enemy, deal one... Or, choose an enemy and deal one damage to it. Kind of like a oh, that's great. make it rain.
0: That's great. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Targeting but you get a body, too.
1: Yeah. Mhm. Um so I think that there's just a lot of like you said a lot of unexplored but in a good way um design space to use spell mana in more interesting ways. Um I think that you could also quite frankly I would I would mind seeing uh a faction this is not super innovative or anything but that would deal damage to your nexus to get more effects. One of my favorite decks in the Versus System card game was a uh, sinister syndicate is what it was called but it's basically all of spider-man's enemies you know so kingpin and um you know the rhino venom all those guys um the green goblin and their whole thing was i mean they're, they're kind of crazy and they kind of end up shooting themselves in the foot a lot because a lot of them aren't very smart uh and so the whole thing was you would basically be dealing damage to yourself to get either overstated or aggressive hmm. uh you know, minions and or damage to the enemy's face, and you wouldn't necessarily have it have to have it be aggro driven. You could have uh, things, and, and I mean, there's a little bit of this with like Ember Maiden, which I really like, and I like Ember Maiden's design space a whole lot. Yeah, um, and I think you could do more with that. I think you could do like these sort of reckless, you know, that would be a new way to play Freyja. I think is really kind of going in on the reckless. In Berserker thing, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could do it with not using your KO. health as a resource, right? Using your yeah, using your health as a resource, and and so you're either inclined to say, okay, I'm gonna be smashing my own face to get these cool effects, and either opening myself up to get uh, smorked down or being forced to play healing to compensate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that that's just a really cool way to play. And I I would I would love to I would love to do that, uh, for sure. Um, the only oh. other thing I think that could be neat is a little bit of um, a little bit of not hand manipulation, like discarding, but um, like hand knowledge. Oh, you know? OK.
0: Yeah. Revealing cards from
1: your opponent's reveal hand cards from your opponent. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, people would probably hate it, but I do like
0: playing it. Uh, uh, I, I, <laughs> I think that's I think that's and most other card games have it in some capacity. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I, I came up with one last card for uh, the spell mana idea. Like a like a, a card from the void or something that uh, mm-hmm. that you play, it consumes you know whatever the mana cost would be, stats whatever. But it can it have to be more expensive. But it consumes your spell mana, and for uh, depending on how much spell mana you consume, you can obliterate uh, a minion that is that 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 cost or lower, right? Like ooh you, that yeah yeah like, yeah like a mm-hmm. like a like a five mana three three that consumes all of your spell mana and obliterates a an, uh, you know an opponent's. Uh, minion or creature or whatever uh that that you know if, if you uh, you suck up three spell mana it also obliterates something that costs three or less um yeah and i think that could like things like that i think that there i think that there's room for some stuff there i really mm-hmm. really do um yeah. yeah but hey, we had a huge patch are you ready to jump over Is anything else to add to this question before we jump over to the the, the large subject discussion
1: No, I just, I really love these types of discussions. So if you have questions like this, keep them coming, guys. I mean, these are kind of the thought experiments that really get me excited about card
0: games, but also get me excited about podcasting so (laughs) yeah these things are some of the absolute funnest things to talk about I mean it it is fun to talk about cards and do card reveals and you know last week we did ladder anxiety it was good to take a break from just talking about cards and talking about game on a different level but I do think that these are some of the funnest conversations that we have which is just about like hypothetically what could we add to the game how could this be added how could this champion be reworked Um, what would that look like I think our Vlad conversation about rework which you know we didn't get but was one of the funnest ones <laughs> that I, I can remember on the show it was a really good
1: absolutely episode. no and i loved the both of the ideas that we came up with and, and we they
0: were different too so yeah yeah, yeah. oh well, let's go ahead then and jump over to our main segment for this episode time for the main event <laughs> Okay, guys, our main segment for this episode is going to focus in on patch 1.14 because there are a lot of changes to champions and cards. I think that we're going to focus most of our conversation we're going to highlight each champion we're going to focus most of our conversation on a couple of champs and then we're going to do a conversation i think about maybe one card specifically outside of that but if you haven't been able to check it out just google what the patch 1.14 is it has caused a massive change to the metagame overnight um just from the time the patch be pre-patch to post-patch like Definitely the Riot team knows how, I mean, it's pretty clear, right? They know how to shake things up. This shook things up. It hasn't settled yet. I would say that there's no real clear indication of exactly what is going to come out of this yet, but we are going to be able to have some conversation about it. Um, at DBN, there was a bunch of champions that got adjusted in this first one was one that I knew that you were kind of excited about, and I really didn't have any thought on yet at all. So I'm kind of curious to know what you were thinking about this. So why don't you talk us, talk, tell us about Lucian?
1: Yeah, so Lucian got a very, uh, very simple and maybe not even noticeable um, to the player. Like I don't think the physical text actually changed, um, but the way that the text like interacts now is different, and it's massively beneficial to this card. Um, so Lucian says uh, his leveled up form, which is the only thing that got changed, says each round the first time an ally dies, rally. So. This got changed, and Jinx actually got changed as well in the similar fashion, so that they they read the same, but they mean something different now. So Lucian would level up. Uh, his his level up requirement was you to have to see four things die or see Sena die, mm-hmm. uh, and once he did, he would level up. Um, now, well, so now he, that level up is the same, but before the way he worked is that because he leveled off of something dying his ability couldn't be triggered until the next round because technically, um, the way it said, it said each round, the first time an ally dies, rally. It's not the first time he sees an ally die, which probably should have been what they physically changed the text to now that I'm thinking about it. Um, But uh, Lucian would would level, and that would be the way that, uh, that would be the first time an ally died on that turn. Or an ally would have already died. Yes. And so even if you level Lucian, you couldn't then have a creature die and rally on the turn you leveled him up, which just A wasn't very fun. I mean, you kind of wished you could. And sometimes like you'd set it up. And I think that it was I think it was frustrating for newer players to Lucian. And after a while, you've played Lucian, you're like, okay, I know that this is how it works, but it's still you see the potential for it and you can't do it. Um, and Lucian is not an overwhelmingly highly played champion just because of the the payoff isn't always worth it. Uh, and in this case, you can definitely level him on a turn uh, and then now, the it's basically the once he's leveled the first time each round. And so that's really cool because now, both in I think scouts, I really think like, um, I really think Demacia scouts is going to try to play Lucian. I think it's going to do well with Lucian. I mean, there's definitely still a little bit of a gap where Warchefs got nerfed and some people really hate new warships some people still play it but maybe he's not as good um, and I think Lucian will fit in there really nicely a because of the basic quick attack on his first level um, but also now the ability to swing multiple times like scouts wants to do um, you could even potentially swing a third time you can make sure something dies in multiple situations on a turn if that makes sense yeah um, yeah,
0: I, I'm getting I I I, yeah, I I hear what you're saying there
1: and then you also uh, there was a lot of people, myself included, uh, from way back. Uh, I mean, I was kind of pushing it a long time ago. But the Lucian uh, Shadow Isles um, builds, where you run predominantly Shadow Isles, but Lucian and Calista uh, both synergize and 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 level off of the same things. And so um, there was a lot of natural synergy of Lucian fitting into a Shadow Isles deck, which has a lot of ways to trigger uh, kills on your own things. Um, so if you Now you can obviously put Lucian in, have that that two drop. It probably isn't going to run mist rates, um, but it's going to be more last gas focus, which is already the build I like. Uh, And you'll be able to do some really, really cool stuff, uh, getting multiple attacks, which Shadow Isles doesn't really have access to.
0: Yeah, I the rally is definitely a little bit more reliable and could surprise your opponent a little bit easier. Like your opponent still has the option. One of the hard parts about the rally, right, is that your opponent does have the option to play around it. Right, they just try not to kill things. Um, but yeah. with shadow isles, you can say, "I'm going to get my attack in, boom, boom, double attack." Okay, um, now I'm going to uh, now now I'm going to kill off mm. one of my own things myself, and you can't stop me from doing it. Right, I'm going to play a, a butcher or something. And, well. Um,
1: uh, and with blighted caretaker, you basically can get three charges towards Lucian right away. Um or yeah. just blow up Senna. You know, so there's and, and that's the thing about Lucian as well in Shadow Isles, or just in general, once he's leveled up, even if he dies like right after, it doesn't matter because you can draw the other two copies throughout the course of the game, and he's so good in his leveled up form. I mean, two mana four, three with double attack, and you can rally like is crazy. It's it's Real so strong. strong. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of him surviving to get leveled is always the challenge but but here's the thing if your opponent isn't if you're playing scouts like uh demacia scouts and your opponent is trying not to kill your things they're losing the game because scouts wants them to not be able to finish things off and snowball a board and Lucian basically says don't kill my things too much or I'm going to get leveled, you know, and, and it just kind of puts him in a, a really crummy, awkward situation. And then, of course, with a quick attack, he himself is kind of hard to take down on offense. So, love it. Uh, this buff is great for Lucian. I don't know if, necessarily know if he'll be like, you know, turn into a top played um, uh, champ, but I can probably say that. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna get played in Demacia, whether it's like scouts or whether it's like a like a more bilgewater heavy one. I I really don't know what the form is gonna take. I don't know if he replaces Quinn or if he replaces, you know, Misfortune. I'm not really sure, but either way, Lucian's gonna get played. He's gonna be good. I I'm just very excited for this because I mean he just has he's a very cool and very flavorful champ that just doesn't see the board a whole lot.
0: Yeah, uh, like almost at all. Like almost never at all. Uh... Almost never. <laughs> uh, and this does make him a little bit trickier. Any buff delusion, I'm pretty much in favor of. I do understand why they're cautious with buffs at two mana because champions that come down on two mana, if they're too strong, will could ruin the game. Uh, could. I mean, definitely could. Yeah. The next champion that we had was Shavana. Shyvana got a buff as well. She was a four mana, three, four, that got plus one, plus one whenever she attacked. And of course, her evolved form or her leveled up form evolve this is not pokemon was a four mana (laughs) was a four mana uh four five that got plus two plus two whenever they attacked. um nothing is changing just plus one attack that's it so um her attack is moving four mana four four so uh, you play around four you attack with her if you have the attack token she's a five five um, and that goes away at the end of the turn. If you have her leveled up, she's a four mana five five that when attacking becomes a seven seven and gets a strafing strike. Of course, Shavana leveled up is really strong. A lot of the package that's around Shavana, unfortunately, is not super strong. Um, I could see where the dream blowout play is the Herald on two, Shavana with attack token on three, and you attack with a five five on three and get almost halfway to leveling Shyvana. Um, And maybe, you know, soon after that hit with like a strafing strike or a a single combat or uh, another big dragon on the board and level her up, you know, by turn four or turn five. I could see the world where she is strong, um, but I just don't know that there is enough sort of reliable dragon stuff that isn't in target Mm -hmm. right now. And I really do feel like the dragon deck probably wants to play potentially with noxus or maybe another faction um and right now it can't because in order to get sort of reliable um uh it's not a tune what is it the um uh I can't remember the the name of the ability that says if it's in your hand. Oh, behold! Oh, in behold, order to get yeah. the reliable behold to you know um, get the get get the dragon guys that mm-hmm. want behold and reliably level up Shavana. you just are forced into target. I'd love to see us get a few dragons outside of maybe I think the one that we have in Ionia. I'd love to see us get a few dragons outside of that and see Shavana maybe get play if she's paired up with some else um but right now just not not uh, better certainly better like she's buffed that's definitely true but maybe not enough maybe maybe, and maybe it's not even Shavana that was maybe it maybe four mana three for Shavana wasn't even the problem maybe it's just the fact that she doesn't have enough tools in the toolkit surrounding her
1: that Shyvana is fine and i think this buff is great um, for Shavana as a card in a bubble I, I, I do, I really, I mean, think about it. You're a 4 mana 5-5 five, five when attacking, um, which is really nice. I mean, that's really nice. We I was just talking about how I felt like the game needed some more overstated, you know, creatures to, in you know, to force people into more creature combat. Um, and I like that. I think, uh, and uh, two, I think that if you go into the more overstated creature direction, that's where you start wanting to see, like, a death touch slash lethal mechanic. Slash poison, mm-hmm. you know, come into play when you start like saying, "Okay, I want my creatures to be bigger." Okay, I need more ways than spells to make uh, make creatures specifically die. Um, so that might be, you know, where you see that. I would honestly not be opposed to seeing a, um, like a poison mechanic, which wasn't like death touch, but rather where like, um, you're poisoned and then you're the the second time that you're poisoned, you die something like that mm.
0: or or even um, something where like at the beginning of round um give a creature minus one minus one it, minus one yeah that's or, what the, or like um, the beginning of each round progressing after that it gets worse like minus one minus one the first round minus two minus two the well, second round
1: there's a it's a little convoluted the way they did it in Mythgard, but it was really effective mechanically um uh, was they had a one of the factions that tended to be kind of controly like there was there was factions that would deal damage and then this faction would be focused on like exactly this was called blight where basically something you assign blight one or blight two or blight three at the beginning of each round everything that has that blight uh, takes that amount of damage so if it has blight two uh, that thing with blight mm. two would take minus two minus two and just keep going until either the blight was healed or the creature died now i don't think you'd want to have there be a difference between one two or three that's just a lot of management and lor likes to it seems like they want to be as streamlined as possible yeah still having a diverse they they want the cards to be diverse and they want the mechanics to be streamlined um which i think is good i think that was maybe a weakness in myth guard um, but I think that something like that where like a poison effect, a lingering, okay, every turn something gets minus one, minus one, crap, you know? <laughs> um, and especially I think too, it could be interesting um, if like in combat, it would infect the things next to it. Oh, that would be you interesting. Know? I think that'd be cool. But we're getting more into like alternate design space we're, again. We're getting more in into mood. the
0: question from, la- from the last right. section, the last <laughs> segment. <laughs> we We returned.
1: <laughs> I do want to say, though, the thing to note about Shyvana right now is that um, because she's a dragon, um, that extra attack does contribute more towards her level up. Um, That's true. So she will level up a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, may prob- if it's just Shyvana, she won't level up any more faster. No. But she will level up a little bit faster if there's other dragons around her. Um, so that that's worth noting. I think is fine. I do think the dragons just need a little love in a couple different areas. Um, maybe just a few more options. Or maybe just a couple cheaper dragons. Like a dragon hatchling on three. That might be the way to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah,
0: Yeah. I agree with that. Well, uh, DBN, we got the rework to the champion that we wanted a rework to, but not the rework that we wanted to the champion that we wanted the rework to. If that wasn't confusing for you, listen to it again um why don't you tell us a little bit about our next champ and the changes that we got to him
1: yeah uh we wanted changes to vlad and we got changes to vlad there are changes but the change the changes to vlad are in are good they're a buff but they're not going to make a difference Um, i don't think so (laughs) <laughs> I really don't think it's going to make a difference. I mean, the issues that Vlad has are still issues, but here we go. Um, so formally, for those of you not super acquainted with one of the least played champions in the game, um, he used to say for each attacking ally other than Vladimir, deal one to it and deal one to the enemy nexus. Um, you would level up once six plus allies had survived damage. OK, um, so and then, of course, the the uh, leveled up text would basically do the same thing, but instead of Uh, dealing one to the enemy nexus it would drain one from the enemy nexus and he got regenerate Um, so now vlad uh, basically does what he did before but he will only do it to the unit on the right of him which is really cool and good because there were times when you'd play a deck with vlad where you'd have one defense creatures and you were hurting yourself by putting them in combat with vlad because vlad would deal one to it you could do nothing about it so yeah. now vlad you can be selective about which units you're choosing to self-damage i think that's really really good and i think it's just it's a, I think if they're really married to vlad doing this then it's an
0: elegant solution Because i, I agree I, I would use that exact same word i think that elegant is a great word for what they did here
1: because, I mean, it requires... It gives players more flexibility. It doesn't really increase his power necessarily, but it does stop you from shooting yourself in the foot. Um, so, I guess that's nice. He does level up after five allies have survived damage. I never really seemed to have too big of an issue leveling, Vlad. That wasn't often the problem. The problem is that for a win-con card, he doesn't really win the game fast enough. And for a kind of tempo... Board-based card, he doesn't really control the board. In fact, he actively hurts your board. Um, So, he's still in a bad place. He's just more fun to play. Yes. Uh, I
0: can't say if he's more fun to play because I have yet to play him. Well, he, um, by default, he's more fun to play because you have more control as the player. He's he's more. It um, he, he feels way more intentional, right? I'm actually intrigued by Vlad now, whereas before I wasn't intrigued because if you were not intrigued by, uh, by, uh, like self damage, then there was there was no reason to play him, right? And there still isn't much of a reason to, but this is more intriguing because I feel like it's it's a bit more thoughtful. Right. And I think that's important that it's more thoughtful. Um, and I like that about this. Um, I, I, I still wish that both versions of Vlad had regen, probably at the very least, that he was a 5-5 five, yeah. five with regen. That, I mean, that Trundle
1: has regen at first level.
0: Yeah, and he, well, he, well, he's not a 4-6 anymore. We'll talk about that in a minute. But he was, um, you know, same stats with regen at both and a self-leveling up ability. Um, like, yeah. the difference between Trundle and Vladimir is crazy. Um, but yeah. uh, I wouldn't even mind seeing Vlad with this exact same text as a 4-6 with regen. I, I mean, I think he would be really strong. Or just,
1: that. I mean, even at a 5-5 five, five with regen. I yeah. mean, seriously, regen. I, I'm, look, I'm thinking now, like, what would it really feel like now that we... Because I think before we didn't have Trundle to compare to right but now yes. that we have trundle to compare to about what a 5 mana card with regent 5 mana champ with region that has a you know big kind of uh, effect that the opponent's have to work around it's huge guys i mean i mean seriously like we all know what it feels like when trundle comes down you, there's this feeling of inevitability like holy crap i you know a lot of times you take a couple turns to get rid of a five drop you know now you have to do it all in one round and by doing that you're usually committing a lot of resources that aren't that are going to slow down the rest of your game plan, right? Imagine Vlad, already not a very good card, at least having that, like, stymieing effect on the opponent where they feel that they have to deal with him because it gets, you know, and and that they have to play inefficiently to deal with him. Uh, Yeah, he needs regen at level one.
0: Yeah, there's so many five drops in the game that are not champions that I would rather play than Vlad. Um, and I think that's one of the things that hurts him so much. It's like almost any deck that you would have Vlad in, you would rather have Swain in. Um, and, uh, yeah. just because like you could just put Swain and Leviathan in and, uh, and have a you win, have a win con. condition. Um yeah. with just those two cards and you put Vlad in and you're like, I'm worse off than I had just should have just put Kato in. Um like literally would have just should have just put Kato <laughs> in the deck. Um I would have gotten more damage through and it would have been more difficult for my opponent to handle if I just had Kato. So I I still don't think that Vlad is good, although I do find him a little bit more intriguing.
1: Well that that and the fact that you don't have your your creatures that want to take self-damage don't do enough crimson curator generates more bad cards you know um, <laughs> yeah, cr- yes crimson disciple uh really should be dealing damage to the opponent uh, opponent's creatures not to the opponent's face yeah like imagine if crimson disciple would deal one damage to a random enemy every time it took damage or chose right enemy. instead
0: of huh or even a chosen enemy
1: well i think that'd be kind of i think that would be breaking the way they typically like to code or sure. maybe just damage the weakest enemy sure you know yeah he's just taking um, away at the weakest enemy right i mean you, you, the problem is you're not getting enough from the creatures that are taking damage if you're not playing aggro the deal one to the face is kind of pointless because if you're playing a deck that wants to sort of control the board you're not getting enough crimson curator of course generates like one of a handful of bad cards because those cards that it's generating
0: don't do much and the crimson awakener isn't a payoff would crimson the crimson curator pay off enough if you if he read when i survive damage add a random crimson card to my hand and give it plus one plus one for uh each damage i took
1: Sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, at that point, you're generating stats, which right, is like, good. I like, mean, stats are good. If you
0: deal two damage to him, he puts a random, uh, I mean, I could random crimson in your hand with plus two, plus two.
1: I mean, I could seriously redesign the crimson package to at least be viable if they would just give me the reins, right? Yeah, give I me guess, the reins to crimson. Seriously. And then fire in. me afterwards. Let us give in. me the reins. You don't even have to pay us. Just let us in. We'll tell just you how to do us, it. Yeah. Seriously. I will fix uh, the crimson package for you. I'll come in and break um, the
0: game, no problem. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, okay. So think about it. So imagine a, a creature that said, um, "When I I take whenever I survive damage, um, give a random creature or maybe your strongest creature uh, plus one plus one, your strongest ally plus one plus one." Right. Mm-hmm. You need these things that will feed your board back. You're intentionally hurting yourself. And with the case of the, the, the cards, one of them gets... One of them says, deal one damage to an ally, get plus two attack. You're not helping your board because this thing doesn't have overwhelm, and you know, quite frankly, it's just going to die because it only has two defense. Um, one of them will generate more cards. One of them does a single point of damage to the enemy nexus, uh, and the other one damages everything by one, right? So you have you actually have three cards that trigger... And two cards that pay off. Yeah, I mean, think about do the math. You know, so really, what needs to happen is um, the disciple needs to do something different where it's not damaging the face. You and actually, if you think about the legion, was it not Legion Saboteur or is it Legion? Whichever one that deals one and deals uh, one to the enemy face or whatever, the one that comboed with the disciple really well. Uh, yeah, 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 the, the yeah, the saboteur. Yeah saboteur that i think yeah so you have a lot of ways to trigger it you have transfusion to trigger it you have um the one that nobody plays that generates copies of creatures to trigger it and that would be played that card that two mana deal one to an ally and create a copy in your hand would be played if there was something worth copying yeah you know nothing worth copying (laughs) yeah i mean so the the package needs a redesign not necessarily vlad Vlad needs something that will be a payoff for damaging things and right now there's really nothing that is that payoff so so that's the issue with Vlad again i mean needs regen still a step in the right direction still shows that they know that Vlad sucks they just aren't pulling the trigger yeah. I'd
0: love to see like a blood or a flesh golem that like he 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 ticked down cost or he's like a twelve mana eight eight that overwhelmed that got one less cheaper each time a yeah. creature took damage I mean, and you, didn't it die. Um you know you're kinda and that's the thing too. The best the best
1: target for these are in Frailyard with Scar and uh mm-hmm. um the uh Scar Mother Vrenna, right? And she's pre- she's good. She's a finisher, but she's expensive. Um and it takes a little bit to get her going then. And then of course you're running the two factions that have the least resource extension. Um, yeah. So you, you almost want a card that says, uh, like when I survive damage, um, like draw one or something like the first time, the first time I survive damage on a turn, draw one. I mean, Soraka says the first time I heal on a turn, draw Mm -hmm. one. Yeah, so that's kind of what you need. The first time I take damage on a turn, draw one. Maybe, like, and survive it, I guess. Yeah, survive damage. Like a four drop. Yeah, that's what Crimson Awakener should really do, actually, Mm. is be, like, a four mana, I don't know, four three that says the first time I survive damage, draw a card.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Very similar to Shyvana. This thing needs a package around it. Um, still okay let's go on to the next one trundle is probably a pretty significant nerf because trundle has been a very popular card previously a five mana four six um, and when leveled up a five mana five seven um saying the exact same leveling up the same when you play an ice pillar but is now a four five and a five six so losing one health where shivana was gaining an attack trundle is losing a health and then his ice pillar was an eight mana zero eight it is losing two health going down to an 8 mana uh, 06. So basically, uh, Trundle is a lot less resilient. And this is really significant. It is a lot easier in LOR on turn 5 to deal 5 than it is to deal 6. And with regen, Trundle was so, so difficult to get rid of so hard to get rid of especially when you ramped on him and got him down on four he was just next to impossible to get rid of before he leveled up on turn eight and once he levels up he's an absolute monster menace that is very difficult to deal with and you get an ice pillar which gives him preference on what he attacks um, which is incredibly strong in this game as we have talked about before and I've talked about on another show as well um, it is very very strong vulnerable and uh, and challenger are both very strong abilities um, to, to have to your advantage and so uh, Trundle losing one attack or losing one health in both forms I think this is a pretty big deal I think there'll still be some decks that you see will play Trundle, but he won't be like the uh, undoubtedly uh very clearly most powerful frail your champion anymore. Um that you might see, okay, well I could play him on five, but maybe I want to be running for sejuani on six. You know, maybe sejuani sees a little bit more play. Maybe Anivia sees a little bit more play. I don't think the Trundle is bad. He still has a self-level up ability, right? I don't think that he's bad, but he is a lot easier to deal with. I mean, he was an absolute menace before this. I mean, he made a lot of these decks go. He reminded me a lot of a more powerful Vi, and Vi got nerfed. Like Vi was that P and Z card on five that just reclaimed the board in the mid game for control decks. And that's why you'd play Heimerdinger Vi because Vi could take control of the game back, slow down your opponent a good bit because of what she did. And then Heimerdinger could come down and win you the game. And in this case, we're doing the same. They're doing the same exact thing, right? Trundle comes down in the mid game, dominates the mid game, really works on winning you the game until you can play, you know, War Mothers or Feel the Rush or... Uh, any number of other, you know, uh, a soul, whatever, and sort of this nerf to that mid range card that carries you into the late game. Um, I still think Trundle will be decent in a sort of tempo oriented um deck that plays Yard that just wants to keep playing big boys, but won't be nearly as good for that deck that needed a mid range um, control tool to slow down your opponent before you got to your end game control. So that's my thought on this Trundle. I think it's, I think it's pretty big. It, it's going to hurt those SI uh, frail your decks a lot.
1: Um. Yeah, I guess it will. I think Trundle's still very strong. I actually don't feel like this is really going to impact anything. He's, like... He, the thing is, is, like, Trundle... Like, that deck, it doesn't win by thin margins, you know? Uh, that's like, true. So, like, it's not like... You know, this one, you know, defense. I mean, it it will make a difference in like, I mean, I'm just playing this out of my butt, but like I'm I'm like I feel like it'll make a difference in like ten percent of games, which doesn't reduce the efficacy of the deck at all, right? Um in ten percent of games, Trundle will get killed where he wouldn't have gotten killed otherwise. But the other ninety percent of the games Trundle is still going to be able to is still going to selectively choose where he blocks, and if the opponent really wants to overcommit, it's still an overcommit to kill him. You know, plus the fact that Ice Pillar, you know, the health goes down, but the issue is really like you can't every turn your biggest way to reclaim the board gets frostbitten or not frostbitten, but gets vulnerable. Uh, gets vulnerable, um, and then somebody goes and either pulls it with a cheap guy to stop you from blocking so they can you know push damage as a win or takes whatever it was that was strong and pulls it with whatever their next strongest thing is which when you're playing feel the rush is probably going to be a 10 10 yeah <laughs> which is strong um, which you're not I mean you just won't come back from that so and and the thing that bothers me about ice pillar is that it refills all eight mana i, I don't know I, I really don't like that that idea of like, oh hey, basically for an action I get to level trend uh, trundle. I get uh-huh. to level him for, you know, one action and weaken your uh, board. It's... Yeah, that also has lasting value. Like, ice pillar sticking around genuinely hurts you. Plus, it can block. Like, yeah, I think that's what it is. I really wish ice pillar just couldn't couldn't block. Or maybe but... didn't refill quite so much mana. Yeah, one or the other. I really don't think this is going to make a huge difference to Trundle. I think those Trundle decks are really, really strong. Um, I think like if you looked at their stats, so like in the article that they posted, they talked about the stats with Feel the Rush. Uh-huh. Uh, and as the second most played uh, deck, it had a uh, Trundle had a fifty three point four four win percentage, um, and that was with actually, excuse me, that was with War Mother's Call had the the War Mother's Call version had a 53.44 win percentage at an 8.63% play rate. And then they feel the rush one with a 6.87% play rate, which by the way is probably only due to the fact that those cards were gated by the pass. event pass people or crafting. Craft get to them Yeah. Yeah. People didn't, you know, people who are newer to the game or people
0: well, you that you can't even craft um, them yet. You can't craft that. You, you, oh, you
1: can't craft them yet. Not, so you're
0: literally forced right. Yeah, you they're not released until the event is over and then you can craft them when the event is over.
1: Right, so those cards are gated for now, which means that there's, the play rate is probably partially due to that, and that had a 55% win rate. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: which is that, a 55% win rate is pretty huge. And I really just, I don't think the Trundle nerf is going to do enough about that. Now, because we're probably not going to have time to get into it, I, I will say that rele- relevant to this discussion is the fact that the Weirding Stones did get a health reduction. So they go from four down to three, and I think that's the bigger...
0: Nerfed to this uh, ramp deck.
1: Nerfed to this deck. I really don't think Trundle is. Mm. Um but I, I it will get nerfed. I just I think feel the rush is still and I could have an entire discussion about it so I won't start this, but it, you know, I've talked a lot about this with some of the other people in the Discord. I'm really not loving the direction they're going with spell-based win conditions. Um and I really just I I feel like they don't um I feel like they, in a weird way, like punish players for caring about the board because if you know that you can just play a spell and then boom all of a sudden summon something big and win the game that way, why bother fighting for the board for the rest of the game
0: mm-hmm.
1: um I, I feel like it's undercutting the idea of l o r being a you know board based combat game when you have you know, feel the rush, war mother's call uh in some ways, you have um Ah, uh, what's the? Uh, it, it's not a spell, but the Howling Abyss. You have uh, Vaults of Helia. Although I, I actually think Vaults of Helia is good design for a kind of a ramping win condition because it's not all at once. You know, it's not just boom, everything's here. Yeah. What are you gonna do about it? You know. Um. So in the same way, like I didn't like uh, Ezreal combo originally because it didn't care about the board, and I think now we, we'll get to it, it has to care about the board to a certain extent. Well yeah, you brought it um, up. So tell us,
0: tell us about the Ezreal you brought it up. Tell us about the Ezrael change. Sure. Yeah. Before so we before ezreal, we get into it having to care about the board, tell us about it.
1: Right. So Ezreal now, uh, so as everyone knows, ezreal has been through several balance issues. It's either like uh, too strong or not played. Mm-hmm. Um so they had originally nerfed it up to you had to target ten plus enemies in the game to get it leveled, which is just so hard to do. Very difficult. Um and it proved to be even harder than I anticipated. I think, you know, I think I thought Ezreal would be more uh, resilient to the environment, and he was not. 10 plus really was enough to kill the card. Um, so now that got reduced from 10 back down to six. Which is However, that's really low. <laughs> that's really low. I mean, Ezreal got leveled up very fast I mean, in a couple games I've played against him. If you, if you play him with Bilgewater, that's literally mm-hmm. two make it rains. And I believe I believe before the ten plus it was
0: eight plus. I think. Uh, yeah, I believe it was. I think you were at eight, and um, it went up to ten.
1: But formerly, Ezreal would basically throw a Mystic shot at the opponent's face anytime you played a spell. Now it's a little bit less effective. It's still a very similar thing. He's still a win condition card, mm-hmm. but he's not as f- rapid. He's not as fast. You still he's likely going to have to sit around for two to three turns before finishing off your opponent or your opponent had to already be low, both of which make the card care a little bit about the earlier state of the game. So the new text says, um, Nexus Strike, creative a fleeting mystic shot in hand, just like normal. Um, when you cast a spell, deal one to the enemy nexus. Mm-hmm. If it targeted an enemy, deal two to the enemy nexus instead. Yep. So the way that this was predominantly played was by stacking puff caps in the hand, uh, or mushroom clouds
0: mm-hmm.
1: puff caps they're the same to me
0: yeah.
1: uh stacking those in the hand um throughout the game by putting the uh clump of wumps and the uh chump wump or wump chump whatever uh putting <laughs> those bump down bump earlier bump yeah and then like using things like rummage and stuff to just rapidly play a bunch of burst spells which your opponent couldn't even interact with before they get burst down this literally halves the efficiency of uh, non-targeting spells. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, throwing a Mystic Shot at the opponent's face will only deal three uh, to the opponent's face instead of four. Um, Whereas if you target an enemy, you'll get that full damage, and then you'll deal two to the enemy Nexus as well. So what I love about this is it forces you a... Uh, to care a little bit more about the board because you can't just win as soon as, as Ezreal gets leveled up. Like, before it was, okay, I got Ezreal leveled up. I have assembled some chumps and clumps and wumps, and now I'm ready to win the game because yep. Play, all your, cards, game. play all your cards, win the Carm game. Play all your cards, win the game, and your opponent board, doesn't get a chance you to interact. Win. Yeah, you, you super win. I mean, the best way to play Ezreal before the nerf wasn't even with Karm anymore. It was with uh, TF and warning shots, you know? Um, yeah, that's So. True. Um, and so now I think it really does require you to say, okay, I can get Ezreal leveled up a lot faster, but I need to win. I'm going to be winning the game over three or four turns, especially if my opponent is not an aggro deck. My opponent is a mid range deck. They're going to be trying to kill my Ezreal. They're going to be trying to control the board. And with a lot more healing out there in the game, I think the time is right for Ezreal to kind of come back into the meta. Now, I know there are still people that are going to hate losing to him because they're getting damage done directly to their face, like circumventing the board, which was the problem, and it still does that to an extent, uh, but just simply the fact that it has to stick around for longer, you can't just OTK an opponent from hand, like you just, you can't do that anymore, and that's what, that's the good part, that's why I'm okay with seeing Ezreal back, plus I think Ezreal is really going to be really nice for putting some of those slower decks in check.
0: Man, I love this change. I love this change. I was never a big Ezreal fan. Not that I even minded losing to him that much. I was never like the one who was like, oh, I hate losing to Ezreal. I think he's unfair. Like, I played Freeze Mage. He's very similar to Freeze Mage. Like, um, I play decks like that, like combo decks in uh, in uh Tessel too. So, like, they, they do actually kind of fit my way of playing, but I just never found Ezreal to be terribly exciting. This makes Ezreal a lot more exciting to me and a lot more engaging. He can come down a little bit earlier and make a little bit more sense earlier Um, I've always been a fan of the leveled up Ezreal artwork because I've always thought the leveled up Ezreal artwork's freaking awesome Um, and and so I'm super like I've always wanted to play him for that this is going to make me play some Ezreal as soon as everybody else stops playing him all the time Um, I did see I think Ezreal Swain was being played by BBG and a lot of other streamers this week I think that as if there's a place where Ezreal will become a problem it will be in Ezreal Swain because you have the Ezreal win condition and then you're going to also have Swain Leviathan wind condition. And that's not even so much, I think because Ezreal is going to be super, super strong. It's because having both of those wind conditions in the deck could be in a lot of like removal. I've seen people playing Ezreal with shadow Isles playing, uh, the get pumped up card or whatever that shifts into a deal five to everything card. It's a yeah go hard yeah go hard um uh, go hard and pack your bags. Um, I've seen that tried wasn't super impressed with it. Um, I've seen a couple of other things tried. I think that Ezreal has gone to a bad place a couple of times before too because there was a lot of elusive decks and they have nerfed sort of like elusive aggro into oblivion, and so. There isn't. there are not a lot of decks that are playing cards that will block Ezreal at this point. Like, they're just not. Like, most decks are not running an elusive option. Um, I yeah. think it is notable to say that the Rise of Ezreal decks does also abs- absolutely buff Um, Demacia as well because Demacia just got that new card the two mana burst give a creature plus two plus two it can block sharp sight yeah yeah, uh elusive this turn and I think that that card that card may have gotten the biggest buff because of the Ezreal buff he may have gotten a bigger buff than Ezreal got because of the Ezreal buff um because like if if Ezreal is rampant everywhere that card becomes strong and makes Demacia stronger because you just have the ability to block and trade really well with Ez um, which I think is cool. Maybe maybe I'm wrong about that, but I do think well, that card I already gets felt that Sharp
1: Sight was a decent card because a plus two plus two on burst is good. Yes, um, it is. And so you can use it for defense. You can use it for offense. You can use it for both. I mean, it's just it's a really good mana efficient card, and the it probably wouldn't be played if it just said that, but this that extra kicker of getting elusive to stop you from losing a small amount of games is what makes that a very appealing card. I think Demacia's issues lie elsewhere. I mean, I really feel like it doesn't have reliable resource extension. I feel like its best removal also hurts itself. Not that single combat's a bad card. It's certainly a great card. Um, But, you know, and I also sometimes feel like Demacia uh, has a hard time pairing with other factions. Like, it just seems to always do the best when it's a majority of Demacia cards. Mm -hmm. Um and the like it plays I, Bannerman. I think, <laughs> just... And it plays Bannerman, right? Or just plays very linear playstyles. And I think the cards that that defy that expectation, um, uh, Fiora and Lux just lag behind compared to similar options in other factions right now. Now we did see a kind of a return of Fiora Shin, weirdly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, to popular. kind of counter yeah, it counts for some of the meta decks, um, but I think like I'm su- like Lux was really really popular for quite a while there, both with Karma for a while and then with Shadow Isles and Thresh for a while, and we haven't seen Lu- uh, Lux really gel in this environment, and they think it has to do with these really late game control decks that can heal a lot. Uh, and can, you know, Ice Pillar can make Lux vulnerable and you can pull Lux off the board. Like, there's just. Demacia doesn't have multiple ways to play right now, um, which is unfortunate. And dragons didn't really help because dragons are just providing you with another way to have, like, another style, another flavor of let's snowball aboard! board. Uh, <laughs> So I didn't really feel like that helped Demacia really branch out of their previous game plans.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I was just pointing out that that card becomes better. I think when no, I totally agree. I'm Asriel's just thinking about Dimashio. Right. I'm just overall. thinking
1: about Demacia. This is. I just get.
0: I just get well, inspired fine. and. We go. go off in another yeah, tangent. We right. Well, I'm yeah. going to real, and I'm, I bring us in. I bring us in. I'm going to bring us in. That's to Jinx. Right. Uh, Jinx has something very similar to Lucian. So, leveled up Jinx was a four mana, five, four with quick attack round start, draw one. So, every time you play her, she draws two. Or uh, when you play her, she's on the board, you'll get, you'll get two each round. Each round, the first time you empty your hand, create a super mega death rocket in hand. Super mega death rocket is a one mana, deal four to the enemy nexus and one damage to each of the opponent's creatures. It's a slow mm-hmm. spell. Um, pretty strong so this is very similar so now she can trigger her ability on the same round that you played her so before um she levels up by discarding everything in your hand so you would discard everything in your hand jinx would level up next turn you would draw two and you'd have to once again get rid of everything from your hand in order to get a super mega death rocket so now you discard everything and so let's just give an example you rummage it really only matters when you're
1: playing certain cards like rummage rummage. Or or,
0: Yeah, the things that discard a card and draw one. So let's say you rummage, you discard all the cards in your hand, Jinx levels up, and you draw one or two more cards. Then you get rid of those cards by playing them on the board or discarding them away, whatever. Um, And then she's also going to give you a super mega death rocket that turn, which previously she wouldn't have done so you can level her up and get a super mega death rocket on the same turn i do think that's really i do think that's potentially important because a lot of times she would level up and she would get removed and then she would never get the value off drawing two cards or a super mega death rocket now if your opponent removes her you may be able to respond to that removal spell maybe a vengeance or whatever have you by at least emptying your hand again and getting a super mega death rocket in hand which allows you to do like four to the enemy nexus for one mana so you're getting a decimate plus damage to your opponent's board for one which is really strong so uh i i right. do think that there's some good stuff there i mean it's a buff right it's not like well, a crazy and, buff but it's a buff and this wouldn't have been as impactful
1: if they hadn't have set this up with the zonite urchin and sump dredger uh reworks to be able yeah, to like discard draw card. and there were well, and there were times when previous Jinx, or or where Jinx before this patch, sometimes the Zonnet Urchin and the Sump Dredger, you almost wish that they... Like, the Sump Dredger just straight-up discarded the card like it used to because you needed to get empty to level up Jinx. It still doesn't do that, but now, if you are discarding that last card, you're re- it's really helpful to have those guys in hand. That and also, like, the, uh, the six-mana dude that deals three to something and then discards and draws three. Like, there's yeah, just a lot really of ways... Strong it's just it that's there's a buff to those cards now there's like four or five cards now that they're incentivizing you to play that to discard the last card because then you'll draw one and play it and get that Mm -hmm. super mega death racket on that same turn this is good for jinx and it's a strict buff it doesn't really hurt anything um but it, it also doesn't like change the way that the deck plays it just allows you to use her more often. I think that that's a good little thing they've done for her and Lucian, so I'm happy with that, for sure. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Okay, take us to the last champion that has been changed, DBN, Cool.
1: Tarek. Tarek got one more attack. That's it. Their comments on it were really small. It says, well, Tarek could use better... I added the Welp, by the way. Tarek could use better combat stats to enable him to both attack more cleanly and contribute more on defensive rounds. It's exactly what they said. He's just going to be a little bit more effective in combat. It's he's still probably not that good. So there you have it. Yeah, Taric.
0: I never hated Tarek. I think he's fun. <laughs> he's fun, and he's he's fun, and he's just fine. He's just fine. Mm, he probably fine.
1: remains just fine. He's still. He definitely remains just fine.
0: (laughs) Tarek, when you can get him, I just, you know what? I I never really played Tarek outside of Tarek Lee Sin. And when Tarek Lee Sin was a thing before Lee Sin dropped to four mana when he was still at six mana, I really liked him there. It was so often I was Tareking and and using Guiding Touch or Pale Cascade on him. And and really what Tarek did was doubled my draw. Um, which refilled my hand and drew me to the things that I needed. And I think that's when Tarek is at his best, really. It's not so much when he levels up. It's not so much when he does all this other stuff. It's when you cast a spell, a cantrip on him that makes you draw, and then you buff something that casts a cantrip on them, which makes you draw. And even if you lose those things, you drew twice for two mana. And because you have both... uh, Uh, pale cascade and guiding touch in the deck with with Tarek. typically Um, it does Mm -hmm. give you the opportunity to draw a lot Um, and i honestly think that's typically when he is at his best yeah, yeah, and he, whatever, like th- one more attack does make him more viable. You know, it makes him trade a little bit better. It makes him a little bit harder to deal with. Um, he's still understated for his cost, so probably still not amazing. You know, you're not like playing an overstated minion or creature with, with a really powerful ability as well. You're still playing something that's understated. It's just a little less understated than before. Yeah, yeah. So let me go really quick. There were some followers and spells. We're not going to touch all of them, but we are going to talk about one. Um, the crown guard card that was tough and rally uh, went from seven, seven to an eight, uh, eight weirding stones dropped to health. Um, a Fuzzy caretaker dropped a mana to three and health to two from three um, swift foot, which is an interesting card that recalls three enemies went um, and gained a power and a health jumped to a seven, six for nine mana and also gained quick attack, which I think is an interesting card. Um, Fun Smith, Smith, Smith dropped from a five to a four and went from a two, three to a one, three. Black Spear does one extra damage now from three damage up to four damage. Eclipse Dragon went from a 7-5 to a 7-7, same as it was before. And maybe the biggest one that we want to talk about, and maybe the last card we'll talk about, is Riptide Rex, which was a 7-mana 7-4 that fired 7 cannon barrages that each dealt 2 damage to an enemy. If that enemy was dead, it dealt 1 damage to the enemy nexus. It's now going to deal 6 cannon barrages. Now, DBN, you had a couple of thoughts about this because this plays into not only our consistent nerf stream to build powerful bilgewater cards like a constant cutback on bilgewater but also cuts back on the end game creature based win condition and forces us more into spell win conditions because riptide is maybe the quintessential creature win condition at the end of the game um so tell me a little bit about it and and where your are uh, and what your thoughts were on this riptide rex nerf
1: yeah, I I just really don't like it. And I, I, I think that they could have nerfed... They could have nerfed Rex, like, two months ago like this. And I would have said, yeah, makes sense. And now I'm saying, why? Right? I just don't feel like Rex is actually being... I don't really feel like it's that oppressive. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but, like, with all of the heal in the game, with there's, like, a lot more protection from Targon... Um, you've got a lot of just really beefy backends in Freljord now, if you're playing Trundle and you're getting ice pillars out to detract from the amount of randomly targeted enemies, um, plunders harder to trigger. Now that you've nerfed the, uh, the guy that, uh, the grifter, it just and make it rains more expensive. Like, so you can't, you need three spell mana banks if you want to make it rain and then riptide Rex. And that's also on the assumption that they don't have enough creatures there to miss on that. It's just harder. It's harder to play Rex already. Like, this isn't needed, in my opinion. I'm prefacing that because I'm sure there's a lot of people out here that have residual hatred of Rex from when he was very oppressive. I just don't feel like he's oppressive now. And by the way, yeah, this marks a kind of disturbing trend with Bilgewater where Bilgewater is not. Bilgewater decks with Bilgewater are doing fine, but decks that prominently feature Bilgewater are not, if that makes sense, right? Like you have a lot of decks that are kind of just farming out the best Bilgewater cards and then, but kind of relying on other strategies like to win the the game, to actually win the game, to actually be the, the do the legwork. I feel like I that's the thing. I feel like there are good Bilgewater cards that are even if they're game-winning cards, the cards from other factions are doing the legwork. You know? Um, I mean, if you think if you look at the pool of Bilgewater cards, you just you look at a lot of things that just don't see play, don't get the job done anywhere near the amount of uh you know viability that other factions have in their creatures and and he, heck, even in their spells. Like I think the early days were like the like grifter allegiance kind of i mean he's, arguably he should still incentivize you but their best spell make it rain got nerfed their previously best spell uh <laughs> the pilfered goods got nerfed yep. uh their best and most flexible unit in petty officer in like the early game got nerfed i mean you're looking at a, a faction grifter that- nerfed Yurdo Grifter Nerf. A- and so here's the thing. Like I'm pulling, I'm pulling up right now, by the way. I'm pulling up Bilgewater. Yeah, like Jack the winner he, got a nerf when he was strong. Mm-hmm, Jack, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're just looking at nerf after nerf after nerf, and it's leaving them with a like a big dearth of viable creatures in the early to mid-game. And they're also not able to run a spell like spell heavy list. Uh, because the spells are being made more and more expensive, right? It used to be that, like originally, I would play. I played this like mid-range gangplank, twisted fate list that didn't play a whole lot of units because it had the very efficient make it rain. Uh, it had the very efficient like resource extension, albeit somewhat random, uh, with pilfered goods, and so you didn't quite have to run uh, mm-hmm. a lot of units. You would just run units that would help you. So I'd run like dreadway deckhands. Uh, at 2 I would run the uh petty officer although actually I only ran one or two because at the time um
0: it, uh, it like one. just like
1: a doubt it had it had one defense and it does now again um but I mean you you look at it and you, you and you play the grifters and stuff but you would only play the things that really really helped you out um and and now those things are slowly getting like ticked away where like you need to play creatures in this game and uh, or you need to have really, really effective spells, and the spells that you have are slowly getting nerfed. And now you're looking at win- a win con getting nerfed, like Riptide Rex being the the big finisher. And and I've always been someone who would say I would rather they bring everything up to the level of another faction or another card than bring something down, unless that thing is truly, you know, warping everything else. And you cannot say that Rex has been warping the environment. No, I know that people you don't absolutely like it, cannot. But...
0: You absolutely cannot say that. You you know Um, what? Here's the thing. Here's the thing that's really interesting to me because Bilgewater has six champions. You primarily like three of them, MF, TF, Gangplank, right? Um, And it's interesting because there are three build around champions in uh, Bilgewater that have not been touched. Tom Kench, Fizz, and Nautilus. Now, Fizz, arguably hot trash. So we don't even talk about that. But Kench Raka yeah. isn't bad. And I would say that the Kench Raka deck, although it does typically win with springs, needs all of the Bilgewater cards, the self-damaged Bilgewater cards and Kench in order to make it tick. Mm, um it, yeah, it's really hard to make it work without it. So I think that Bilgewater is a featured equal to Target in that. And Nautilus is definitely like Bilgewater in deep is definitely uh Okay. I mean you've got yeah, I see what you're that saying. Feature. But, but but I see what you're saying as well and you're saying yeah but i really want to play like twisted fate misfortune gangplank sort of the core and then a lot of the core cards of bilgewater ones that don't automatically get slotted into a deck right you're not going to play deep cards in anything but the deep deck you're not going to play self-damage Kench cards in anything but Kench soraka exactly and then so like they're already told so the flexible cards of bilgewater that could be combined to make a very strong bilgewater deck are being nerfed because of the flexibility they can go into other factions and i i see what you're saying there you know yeah no that is 100 the truth and and i i'll admit i will 100 admit a little bit
1: of a blind spot there for me i mean i i do play deep sometimes but it's just so linear i get bored with it you know yeah and tk tk soraka i've actually played some soraka with bilgewater and like the monkey idols just for fun and i but i haven't touched tom Kench because again like in a weird way as interesting as tom Kench is I I know this. This is gonna sound super weird, I guess, but when something is super obvious, like how to play it is really obvious, I lose interest.
0: Oh, you yeah. know oh, that makes that makes sense. Like uh, the bilge water uh, like deep deck literally writes itself. Like it has almost not changed except slaughter docs got added to it. And even at that, it was like, Oh, it's still the, we were only excited about slaughter docs because we thought it might get it out of, uh, a second faction. You know, it might not have to be in shadow isles, but then it was like, Oh no, you just play slaughter Docks in the deck that already exists. and It's better than anything yeah. else. that you could have played anyway,
1: you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that you can get like, you can have a hyper deep list if you run it in like, uh, p and z with all of the cycle cards but yeah it's still better in si because you get healing Mm -hmm. um no and and i mean you have some i mean every faction has dead cards don't get me wrong seriously like every faction has some dead cards and i think it's funny that they have so many i'm not this isn't an attack necessarily on on riot i I really don't want to sound like this but it's going to for a game that says they want every card to be viable theoretically in some scenario there's an awful lot of dead cards in this game
0: right now there
1: is (laughs) but i think that that speaks to the inevitable task that they have put in front of themselves which i think is a good thing and i think has made this game so engaging that they want to make those cards that have been sitting in your collection for too long they want to try to give you a reason to play it sometimes they fail jagged taskmaster everyone was excited jagged taskmaster still pretty bad Right. Yeah. Um, so okay, didn't Still work, but they're good. trying. But they're trying, and I think that's really that's really good. That said, there's a lot of not playable cards. I mean, seriously, like you're looking at uh, and and frankly, I think that uh, Bilgewater is weighed down a little bit by the slow slow spell speeds. And I on cards that I don't think necessarily need to be slow and have proven I thought at the time when Bill came out this was a design direction that eventually they would make more cards slow but as we can see I from targon not. that is not the case oh, no. um jailbreak parlay you been warned you've got uh monkey business double trouble I mean seriously like that's a uh, sleight of hand although maybe that one should should be slow. Slide of hands is maybe not a good card. Chum the waters. I mean, I'm I'm just going through and I'm looking at a lot of cards. And let's let's be real. Like like ye been warned might be really good if it wasn't slow. If ye been warned was burst or even or even
0: fast.
1: Right. Ye been warned is a one mana slow spell that gives an enemy vulnerable. And oh. if it dies this round, you draw a card. Yep. If ye been warned was burst, we'd be this is a different discussion. You know, if Parlay was fast, this would be a different discussion. If Jailbreak was fast, you know, if sunk, or really, if sunk
0: cost was fast, it's like the but, sunk yeah. sunk is the eight mana shuffle, a, a unit or a landmark into its deck. And it's sunk cost. Sunk cost should be fast. By the way, let's talk about be Shot for oh. a minute.
1: Scrap sunk Shot. Is, yeah. Bad. Yeah.
0: Toss, toss three, deal seven. Like there's just a Even lot of double I mean, up, deal two to an enemy. If it kills yeah. it, deal four to the enemy nexus, not great. And, and I'm not trying to dunk
1: on like all these Bilgewater cards, because every faction has those cards that are just stupid. You know what I mean? Sure. But not every but a lot of other factions have been getting consistent buffs and reworks. And I Bilgewater has just been getting
0: nerfs. Over and over and over and over
1: over and over and nerfs yeah. to their nerfs to the cards that are keeping them aloft Uh I mean basically like grifter decks don't exist anymore uh, at least not in a meaningful way in too. the meta and they were they were darn fun I loved the and I, I still love the pilfer Uh mm-hmm. or whatever it's called nab, nab. yeah I, I like nerfs too uh, I liked it a lot I liked playing with cards that weren't in, in my deck and I also liked I felt like a skilled player when I could win with cards that I didn't know I was getting I could find ways to win with the random stuff I was getting. I felt skilled, and I liked that, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, And yeah, sometimes you'd be handed something absolutely ridiculous. Like, yeah, there was one time I was playing Gibbles and Bits in a friendly uh, match, and I pulled uh, two of his three They Who Endure. Like, it was hilarious, (laughs) okay? And and yeah, you know, maybe, maybe it shouldn't... Maybe it should just copy, you know, instead of truly take it out of their deck. I don't know. But the simple reality, and now technically it pulls from the bottom, so they wouldn't have seen it anyways, but I just I, I don't know. I I'm this is a is a w- kind of worrisome design direction for my favorite faction. And so maybe this is like a little bit of uh, what do they call it in politics? Like uh uh like where you're biased to your party or whatever. Like maybe that's what this is, you know, is it's partisan. But um but I, I'm not I'm not super super happy with the way this has been going, and I, I think that they definitely like the idea of there being um, linear and powerful synergistic playstyles where the decks build themselves, and I think they've been going really heavy in that direction, and I think that's great for new players. I think it's great for um, getting people excited about expansions coming out. They see a package, they know how it's going to look. But if you go too too hard into Synergy, which they want and which I like, you start losing the charm of building decks uh, because at a certain point, the Synergy will be so strong, breaking Synergy is going to be just an all-around worse option.
0: Yep, and and I'll just be, I don't want to get into this, but that was by far one of my favorite pieces of Tessel was deck building, and it's one of the things that actually makes it hard for me to play LOR. Yeah. I, I actually struggle. I, I would come, even when I had nothing to achieve, I would come to Tesla daily to play it. When I have nothing to achieve in, in uh, LOR, I typically don't play it. Um and that, yeah. it, that's not necessarily a good place for me because I'm not intrigued by trying new decks. I don't lay around and think, oh, I really want to try out that. Or, oh, this sounds really exciting to me. Or what if I combine these things? Um, that's typically not where I'm at. And there's plenty of stuff that I've never played. Even looking at the cards that were adjusted, it was like, okay, I've never played Vlad. Played very little Lucian. Played very little Ezreal. Don't think I've ever played Jinx uh, Like, I have lots of stuff that I can experiment with, but a lot of those guards are in decks that like, oh, I know how to build the best version of that deck and that's not interesting to me. Um, yeah. I think that's yeah. not a good place. But uh, let's go ahead and end the topic. Uh, that That's the end of our large topic discussion. And uh, if you guys have suggestions for large topic discussions that you want us to have, it won't always be about cards or meta and stuff. Um, feel free to shoot us a message. Or if you on our Discord, you want us to try to get somebody, you know, maybe your streamer or YouTuber you like to watch on the show, I can always shoot a message to them and see if they're willing to come on the show. So feel free to reach out to us over Discord with that. But uh, let's go ahead and work our way out of here and jump on to the closing thoughts for this week and I thought I was already perfect <laughs> okay guys this week closing thoughts is actually coming from a book that i started reading called the ruthless elimination of hurry i heard there's another book that's just as good they're they're they're, they're spiritual-esque books they're kind of like uh they're kind of like the uh, sort of the monastic side of the mindfulness movement if that's makes sense to anybody but the mindfulness movement is a lot of like being present meditation and stuff the the, the this modern monastic movement is kind of going back to like ancient monasterial roots um and like picking up some of the stuff i heard there's another book uh, written by another guy that's as good but shorter called To Hell With the Hurry instead of The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. So maybe you want to read that one. But I found a really good quote. He's talking uh, about internal silence in the importance of, of spending time, not just in quiet spaces, but internally quiet as well. And he says this, here's what I mean by internal noise, the mental chatter that just never shuts up the running commentary in our heads on everything, the role playing of a lousy conversation with our friend over and over again, our lustful thoughts for a girl or a guy down the street, our fantasies, not just sexual or revenge fantasies, imagining this or doing that, or, uh, or doing that to our enemies of choice. Our worry, the crippling way, uh, the crippling away at our joy and peace with the hammer of what if. The obsession over hypothetical scenarios, role-playing the future, catastrophizing, idealizing, dreaming of the perfect life, with it, which in turn poisons our actual lives. The clutter in our minds is like, I love this, the clutter in our minds is like a mental hoarder landlocked in his or her bedroom in a self-constructed prison. Some of us, feel trapped in toxic unhealthy patterns of our own minds external noise is easy to quiet turn off your phone power down the stereo lie on your couch or walk in the park or a book at night in a cabin or book a night in a cabin close by or maybe even a monastery easy but internal noise that's a whole other animal a wild beast in desperate need of taming there's no off switch This concept of finding silence and solitude has been a pursuit of my life on and off since college. And so for the last 10 years in different seasons, I have pursued seasons of isolation and silence and solitude. Many of you who listen to the show know back in August, I left for like two and a half days um, where I went for about 24 hours without eating. I I took a fast um, and I spent uh, time alone, completely alone, camping, hiking, um, and getting some space. And I have found that life is far easier and more fulfilling if you can shut off Noise. I think I've said this on the podcast before, that phone in your pocket, that high powered computer that we all carry around with us is not good or bad, but it is not neutral. It makes money off of you looking at it, touching it, activating it, opening it, whatever. That's how it makes money off of you. Do not allow the noise both internal and externally to to disrupt or destroy your capability of having any sort of depth as a human being whatsoever. The tyranny of distraction in our culture through modern technology takes away our ability to pay attention and destroys our ability to have any sort of internal depth so that it can profit. And so I would just encourage you, if you don't take any time, completely quiet, try. Next time you drive to work, Don't listen to the radio. Don't turn on our podcast. Don't listen to anything. Just be still and be quiet. See how long it takes you to quiet your mind. Um, That's my closing thought for today. Find time for silence and solitude. Whether you believe as I believe or not, doesn't really matter. We all need a break from both internal and external noise. That's my closing thought. Sometimes I give a chance for DBN to chime in. He, he, he's, he's, he's yeah. taking a moment of silence and solitude right now. Mm, that's right. Silence you, and solitude. You guys, <laughs> you guys heard it here
1: first. After listening to almost two hours of us talk about cards, Mark told you not to listen to us.
0: Yes, you so. heard it here. I told you. <laughs> Shut the podcast off. Shut <laughs> it off now
1: with the last minute or two.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Let's get out of here, man. Um, Hopefully, once again, we do the closing thoughts because hopefully if you take this long to listen to us, we'll add value to your life in more than just playing a card game hopefully will add value to your life in other areas um and hopefully that encourages you to seek out sort of a more healthy mental and spiritual state um but dbn as we get out of here how could people find or get connected to you if they wanted to uh mostly through discord but you can also
1: check out some of my older uh, videos on youtube that's dead broke nerd i have been absolutely swamped with life uh so i don't know when my next video is going to come out at this point i just do it for fun uh and to put up a deck that i'm really excited about right now nothing has really stood out as unique and interesting enough for me to want to take the time to do it but it will happen eventually so can't hurt to go over there and uh and just i don't know follow, follow it hit that bell whatever subscribe yeah whatever Slam that uh i'm not trying to be the pushy about it i i it, I don't want to say I don't care, but I I don't have any self-delusion that it's ever going to become a thing. I just do it because it's fun. Um, But if you think that that's fun too, and I've been told I'm not too bad at uh, describing my plays and my thought process as I play,
0: um, then you can go over and check that out yep you can find me on twitch twitch.tv slash the lift I don't stream basically ever but when I do start doing it which will be in 2021 by the way I think the big announcement is there's going to be a large per- profession switch for me in 2021 and part of that is going to be largely working with the gaming community so I will start streaming on a regular basis I'm not sure it'll all be LOR it'll probably be a variety of things but certainly some LOR Um, that's twitch.tv slash the lift um, and look for that sort of like holiday season maybe some changes coming there uh, to, to what that schedule having like an official streaming schedule and stuff probably like in the first quarter of 2021 um, if you want to get connected with us the best way for both of us is the discord there is a link an invite link to the discord in the show notes feel free to grab that and join the discord we had someone join while we were in the middle of filming this episode or recording this episode so join us in discord guys that's going to be it for this episode we want to thank you so much for listening and supporting us and being so incredibly awesome um, our supporters our listeners our discord all of you guys super freaking awesome so thank you so much Um, we are so 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 grateful for you november is the month to be grateful and we are thankful and grateful for the community Um, i never thought ever that when i filmed the first two episodes of this um at my in my dining room table um with my macbook air uh over almost a year and a half ago now um i never thought that a year and a half later i would be this committed to um, a podcast and i never thought it would it would radically change my life in the way that it has and it really has so thank you guys um the community is awesome that's surrounding us and we we really appreciate you guys and he never thought he'd be stuck with me no but now i can't get rid of him that's right i have tried <laughs> i've tried to but he tried every time i put up a secret survey dbn can't see in the discord that says should i get rid of dbn everybody just clicks I'll quit listening to the show. And so right. I can't get rid of him, uh, unfortunately. Oh yeah. All my, all my patrons, they all, hey, we joined the patron, but we're only going to be a patron as long as DVN's on the show. So that's right. Uh, so he's glued to me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Guys, that's going to do it for this week. Thanks so much for tuning in and be sure to come back again next week. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legendscast.